Okay, we are working on developing a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I think everybody here knows what we're doing and why. Uh, this is kind of where we've been. We talked about the divine personality of the Trinity, that the Holy Spirit is part of that. We talked about Him being active in creation, how He empowered people in the Old Testament, how He revealed the will of God. That wrote the Bible for us, uh, how he plants the gospel seed in a sinner's heart uh, through the word. He empowered Jesus. He was poured out or made available at Pentecost. He empowered the infant church. He's given to us. He indwells us. He's given to us at baptism. And last week or last two weeks, we talked about what he does for us. And we said he guides us, strengthens us, teaches us, leads us toward Christ-likeness by uh, the Word, by our memory, our conscience, by other Christians, and by providence. And then the last thing we talked about briefly was that the Holy Spirit helps us pray. He intercedes for us, particularly when we don't know how to pray. All right, so everybody get one that needs them? Very good. So, that's kind of where we've been. Now, let's uh, back up just a little bit. Or, well, let's go ahead to the next one. Tonight, we're going to talk about uh, how do we claim the power of the Spirit. If the Spirit does all this for us, uh, the Bible says He does, how do we allow Him to work? You may have heard me using one word quite a bit uh, so far, and we'll use it more in the next few weeks of the class. Let's cooperate. I talk a lot about cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Uh, how do we do that? How do we allow Him to work in our lives? But before we get into that, and I think I've got eight things on your hand out there that we'll talk about, let's think back through that lesson where we talked about what the Holy Spirit does for us. I said at the end of that lesson, we'd review what we said at the start of the lesson, the illustration of the personal trainer or the coach. And I said maybe that would make a little more sense when we got to the end. Uh, did that help? When you look through this list and think, yeah, but how does he do that? If you go back to the personal trainer illustration, the coach illustration, does that help you put it together? Okay, he's not doing it for me. He's not overpowering me and making me do this, but through his spiritual ways, uh, by the word, by providence, by my memory stirring it, however he wants to do that, he, he encourages me, leads me, does all these things. Uh, I think every one of them, if you look back at that uh, thought process, that illustration, it makes it seem more reasonable and it emphasizes what we're going to talk about tonight. How do we cooperate? How do we work with Him in our lives to do what uh, He wants to do in us, which is to make us more Christ-like, to sanctify us? Okay, any comments on that? We've been kind of jam-packed and haven't had any time for comments. Part of that's by design. That way I don't have to answer any questions. The other part is we just got a lot in each lesson. But 
Comments, questions? All right, you're a docile bunch. Uh, how do we claim the power of the Spirit and allow Him to work in our lives? I put eight things down on your handout. Number one, knowledge. Might be the biggest one. Might be the only one that you've ever relied on, but that's okay. Uh, hopefully the other seven will kind of expand your thinking tonight a little bit. But knowledge is obviously where we start. Uh, this almost said in 119.105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay? So... How do we allow him to lead us, to guide us, uh, to do those things? Well, we got to know what he says. We got to listen to him. We got to know some of the word. And the more we want him to lead us and guide us and do all those things for us, we got to know more of his word. Uh, most of you know it by heart, but turn over to Second Timothy three sixteen if you don't. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen says all scripture is inspired by God or God breathed and is profitable for teaching, for, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Okay? We want to be righteous, we want to grow in holiness, we want to be sanctified, we want to be more Christ like. The Word trains us in righteousness. Just knowing the Word. The Holy Spirit wrote it for us. If we will access that knowledge, uh, do like David said, even store it away in your heart, then it will do those things. It will protect us and guide us and encourage us and do all those things that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was trying to think of how to emphasize this. A uh, while back, I got an old shotgun that my dad bought for me a long, long, long time ago. It's a Model, uh, Model 42, <laughs> Winchester Model 42, which is a 410 version of the Model 12. Anyhow, it's fairly valuable. I don't shoot it. Uh, Partly because it's valuable and partly because 410 shells cost too much. Uh, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> I don't shoot it. But I decided I'd give it a good cleaning the other day, and it's been probably, I don't know how many years since I've had it apart. So I got it apart, and I decided to take it a little further apart than I've ever had it apart. So you guys know what happens sometimes then. I couldn't quite get it all back together. Uh, and I tried everything I could think of. Well, this isn't quite working. So anyhow, I got online and looked for a Winchester Model 42 uh, manual. Parts manual and assembly and disassembly and all that. Well, there's some old company that publishes old out-of-print manuals. So I ordered one. It was only like $10 or something. Ordered it and got it, and it was... Detailed assembly and disassembly instructions for a Model 42. The drawings were obviously drawings, not CAD or anything like that. 
and the instructions were typed. Yeah, you could tell it came off a typewriter. This was an old manual. But it was exactly what I needed to deal with my Model 42. It was the book to deal with a Model 42. And probably you guys have got some hobby or uh, something that you do that there's the book that you go to. You're a gardener, you trust this book the most. You're uh, whatever other hobby you got. There's this guy wrote a book that I mean it's got the most help in it ever. Yeah, that's what the Bible is. Yeah. The Bible is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. It it tells us what sin is. You know, we we, we want, want want to be holy, want to be sanctified, want to be more like Christ. It tells us what sin is. Uh, want to lead a Christian life? It tells us where and what we need to change. Sometimes we don't read it that way, but we ought to. Uh, I answered a Know Your Bible question today. Somebody emailed in uh, about work and Christians working and and all that. And uh, I gave them the one from Ephesians that Paul said, uh, if you've been stealing, you've got to stop stealing. Because Christians work. Work with your hands so that you can take care of your family and so that you'll have some to share with others. Now, you may be past that point in your Christian development, in your sanctification, in your holiness. But for a guy just starting out that has come out of the world and is used to stealing, there's one verse that says, okay, here's how you live the Christian life. You stop stealing. You start working. You start earning a living. Pretty simple. That's, that's, the Bible's full of that stuff. Uh, and it's having that knowledge, you know, and, and the negative side too. I mean, it tells us there's going to be tough times. It tells us, you know, Satan's living and active and uh, like a lion, and I mean, it tells us all sorts of things that we need to know to allow the Spirit to work in our life. Uh, very realistic, I guess I'd say the Bible is about things. It says this will mess your life up. We don't pay attention to it, and our life gets messed up. Yeah. Uh, it's True. I think we did a whole series about how true the word is, but uh, that realism, that realistic advice to us is what helps us live the Christian life. Uh, talking about realistic, I just thought of this for some reason. Ryan worked at a, I don't know if Ryan stayed in here or not. Ryan worked at a basketball camp one summer and a bunch of high school kids and stuff in it. And he said they brought one guy in one day that was a big-time recruiter and knew all about the college game and all that. Of course, anybody at a high school basketball camp thinks they're going to play Division I basketball. Yeah. And a lot of them think they'll probably go to the NBA, but for sure they'll be D1 
You know, Ryan said, this guy came in and sat them all down and said, let me be real with you. He said, in this gym, there might be one of you, might be one that plays Division One basketball. He said, I, I doubt it. I haven't seen him. But there might be one. That would be about the average possibility. And he said, everybody just kind of looked like, is he kidding? And the guy went on and said, I'm trying to be realistic with you. Most of you are going to be lucky to play, you know, junior college, D3, something like that. That's where you need to start thinking. You know, start finding out what those guys are looking for, how they're recruiting, how to prepare for that. And you might get a scholarship somewhere. But if you keep on thinking unrealistically, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, that kind of real-life advice is what we get from the Spirit in his book. So knowledge, obviously, the place to start. Uh, second one, awareness. Eh, you may not have thought of this one. You may not ought to think of it every day. Maybe you will after this. Um, let's see if we can read this. <clears throat> okay, this is a prayer from Paul for the Ephesians. And he says, I keep asking. By the way, it's Ephesians 1.17, if you can't see that up there. Look it up in your book. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. All right. What's Paul praying for there? Awareness. All of this stuff's in the Bible. The knowledge is in there. It tells us that uh, we have a hope to which we've been called. We're told about the riches of his glorious inheritance. We're told about the power that works in us. And what's Paul pray for? that your, your eyes will be open so you can understand that better. So you can be aware of it. We know the facts. I mean, we can quote the scriptures and all that. We got the knowledge. But Paul says, I pray all the time that the, the Spirit would open your eyes so you can understand this. How's he show that to us? All kinds of ways. But that's what Paul prays for. So he wants them to get a better grasp of this. Okay? We know that the Holy Spirit is in us. We know why the Holy Spirit is in us. But Paul says, I want you to think about that. Be aware of it. Understand it. How amazing that is. Look at that last one. He says, I want you to... Understand the incomparably great 
power that works in us. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the kind of power you've got working in you. I don't think we're aware of that. I don't think we go around all the time thinking of that. You know, I mean, if we just quote the verse to ourselves, the knowledge, quote the verse, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, we can handle a few more things probably. That's what Paul's praying for, is let them get this. Let them be aware of what that power is. Now, how does that help us in our daily walk? Well, if you know you got that power behind you, it changes your whole attitude. Thought of a one way to try to illustrate this. Anybody ever have to dig a tree out? One that's gotten a little bit big and it's in the wrong place, or the roots are tearing up the sidewalk, or something. Yeah, I've torn out quite a few trees. We've moved a few times, and people always plant trees in the wrong places. So you always got to tear a couple of them out. Plus, you got to use your chainsaw or something. So I always rip a few out wherever we go. But you, what you start with, you get the axe and the shovel out, you know, and you go out there and you dig around it a while and find the roots, and you chop a few of them with the axe, and then you pull on things a little bit and see if you're loosening it up. When I start that, I know I'm going to get that tree up. I might not do it with the axe and the shovel, but I know I'm going to get it out. Because if the axe and the shovel don't work, then I go pull the, the Yukon around close to it, and I tie this chain onto the back of the Yukon, and I get this come-along that I got. And I hook that chain up, and with that magnified power, I pull and pull, and I chop roots a little bit, and then I pull some more, and that'll usually get them out. Okay. But if that doesn't work, I still know I'm going to get it. You know, I'll take the come along out and I'll put the chain directly from the Yukon to the tree stump and I'll get in the Yukon and try to take off. And the tree stump usually comes with me. Yeah. Not always. <laughs> I've had a few that just weren't coming. So, so when I start with a little axe, I know I got the power of the Yukon that I'll use eventually. And if that doesn't work, I can call Ron. Ron will bring in the big duty. We'll get her out of there. <laughs> I've got that power available. That changes your attitude. I've never tackled a tree stump that I thought, I can't get this out. It's beyond me. I always think I can get it. Okay? Paul said, I want you Christians in Ephesus to be aware of the power you got. be dangerous if we knew that. Okay, desire. Desire, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 
And then I got one more on desire. I think First Peter, therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Okay? All right, what's he say in those two verses? Set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And prepare your minds, set them on the hope of what you're going to get someday. If you've got that desire, I want to cooperate with the Spirit. I want every help He can give me so I can not only be more sanctified and bring more people with me, but get to heaven in the first place. I got that's my desire. If your mind's set on earthly things, you're not going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Not interested. He doesn't help you with those things. But if your mind's set on heavenly things, on things above, on the hope that we've got and all of that, then you'll be able to do what you need. You'll cooperate with with the trainer really well. Anybody ever watch The Biggest Loser? Come on now. You guys never want to admit you watch this junk. <laughs> I know you do. Anyhow, <laughs> some of you. The Biggest Loser. Maybe everybody's too skinny in here to watch that. I don't know. Well, Anyhow, these people do amazing things. They lose a whole bunch of weight. They, they do crazy things. They abuse their bodies. They work out 12 hours a day. They, they eat right. They do all these horrible things. And they really cooperate with their personal trainer. Yeah, whatever the trainer tells them to do, they'll do it. They'll go to the trainer and say, tell me some more stuff to do. Okay, Why do they do that? What's their goal? Okay. <laughs> okay. Part of their goal is losing the weight. But what are they really focused on when they're on that show? The prize is $250,000. Okay. Can I do this for another 15 minutes for a quarter of a million dollars? Yeah, I can go another 15 on the treadmill, I think, for a quarter mil. Okay, That's their goal. That's what they've got their mindset on. Now, I know some of them may do it just for just to get healthy and get their life back and all those good things, and that's the, the benefit of it. But at least when they start, I guarantee you that first week, they've got to think about that quarter million a lot. You know, when they're just getting started... And look what he says. He says, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, we talked about the, the second coming the other few nights ago on Sunday night. What that's going to be like. We're going to talk about heaven this Sunday night. That's what he says we ought to be thinking about. We'll cooperate with the personal trainer then.
Well, what's what's their mind set on? Okay, if you if you're talking to somebody, their mind is set on earthly things, and you say, "I'd like you to come with me, and we'll talk about some heavenly things." Not interested. Not interested. So, and same thing for us. If we even if we've got the Holy Spirit, if we set our minds on earthly things, we'll just grieve him. We'll just slow him down. We'll won't cooperate with him. He'll get he'll get frustrated okay? because we won't be cooperating with him if we've set our minds on earthly things. Okay, prayer. Let's roll here. Uh, prayer. Ephesians six eighteen. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Excuse me. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Okay. Pray on the, in the Spirit on all occasions. What do you think that means? Okay. Do you? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Okay. In the spirit, you, you pray in the spirit. Now, Charismatics and Pentecostals would tell you that's praying in an unknown language or something. Praying in the language of the spirit. That hasn't got anything to do with it. It's not what it's about at all. Is you pray in the Spirit, in the will of the Spirit, with Him in mind, wanting to stay in accordance with Him. Our next lesson is about walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit. When we really look how much there is in here about the Spirit in our lives, it's kind of shocking how little we ever even say it much less do it. Paul, to him, it's just natural. Pray all the time. Pray on all occasions. And when you do that, you do it in the Spirit. You want to agree with him. Now, you can call it agreeing with God's will also, but you pray in the Spirit. Spirit, here's what I want today. I'm asking for this person, that person, and for me, and for this, and for that. And I want it to be in the will of God, so if, if I'm all space, you intercede for me here. I mean, just mentioning that 
in your prayers. Make sure you're lined up with the Spirit. Okay? Back to personal trainer. If you're working out, personal trainer isn't even there. Do you want to work out in the way that he prescribed? Or do you want to ignore what he said? Okay? Now, he taught me when I was learning how to do the treadmill here to do this and this and this. Okay? So even though he's not here watching me, that's how I'm going to do it. Okay? Keep the spirit in mind even, I think, is part of it. But praying, uh, and let me, let me have you look at it another way. Uh, this isn't a separate step. This isn't get your knowledge, be aware, have some desire, and then, by the way, stop and pray every once in a while. Okay. All these go together. Yeah. If you pray in the Spirit, you'll bring those other things in there. Could you pray, God, I want you to increase my desire to set my mind on heavenly things. Earthly things have been looking good lately. I want you to help change my focus. I want to have more focus on heavenly things and less on earthly things. Is that a good prayer? Is that an in the spirit prayer? Yeah, that's what the spirit wants for us. So we're reinforcing all this. We're bringing the same things. See, the Holy Spirit... He doesn't possess us like demon possession. He doesn't take us and make us be good. But if we pray, uh, we ask him to come along beside us. We ask him to do these things. Uh, how about a specific sin? Is it okay to pray for that? Pray against it? I probably shouldn't pray for it, should I? <laughs> Okay, this is bothering me. This is tempting me. I'm getting closer to that old problem I used to have. I want the Spirit to help direct me away from it. Through providence, through my thoughts, through reinforcing verses that I know. I don't care how you do it. Just just keep me away from that. Doc. Yeah, I think you did, but that's but that's all right. That's, that's a good question. Yes, the, the the big thing on that is, well, number one, it's okay to pray that because the spirit will not do something that's wrong. You know, he's not going to say, "Well, I know God doesn't want me to do this, but she asked me to." So, yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's not like that. So he's not going to go over boundaries and all that, but. Uh, the the Calvinistic doctrine is to pray that the Spirit acts directly on the heart and changes this guy's heart no matter what. Roy says when he invites somebody to church that they have only a, uh, thoughts on earthly things. Okay, If he's prayed for the Spirit, you go over and change that guy's mind. Okay? The Spirit's not going to do that probably. But if you pray for the Spirit to work in this man's life, However you will, God, whether it's through a tragedy, you know, a blessing, 
a family member, a new friend, a, something, a, somebody at work that gets in him and influences him right. However, just work it out. I want this guy to know you. Yeah. And however you control that big chessboard, you bring things into his life that might make him more aware of heavenly things. No, that's a, that's a good prayer. That's in the Spirit. That's what the Spirit does. You can plant the seed, keep throwing it out there. You're asking the Spirit to water it and make it grow and cause things to happen. Uh, yeah, we were talking about specific sin. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. That's in the Spirit. Say, God, I need help. Uh, with my anger, with my impatience, with my lust, with with whatever. Help me with that. Okay. Pray in the Spirit. Okay, surrender. Uh, Philippians 2, famous passage. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. All right. Okay. Our, the last phrase of that is what I want us to get out of here. Surrender. How did Jesus get through the crucifixion? Was he tough enough? Enough his own willpower? Say, all right, I'm going to do this. Was that how he got through it? No. Did he, did he want to go? No. No, he's... God, this is not a good idea. Father, can we work this out some other way? I mean, that's what he asked at the point of it. And that's what he knew he was heading for for 30 years. But still, when he got there, he said, I don't want to do this. So how does Paul say that he got through that? He humbled himself. And became obedient. He, he surrendered. He said, oh, I can't do this. I don't want to do it. And I can't. So I give up. You work it out. You handle it. Okay? There's some stuff we get into in life. Something usually pretty bad or pretty serious or whatever, we may get to that point. That's where the Spirit's leading us. That's what we got to get past to be what He wants us to be, all of that. And it isn't our willpower getting us there. How do we do it? We just finally say, all right, I surrender. I'm going to leave it to you. You bring the people into my life. You bring the situations into my life. You increase my desire to want to fix this, because right now I don't want to fix it. That's where we get sometimes. 
That's cooperating with the Spirit. Trust. Second Corinthians five seven. We live by faith, not by sight. We keep asking on all these things. We keep saying, "Yeah, but how does the Spirit do that?" <laughs> I'm afraid we have spent millions of hours arguing about how to stay away from being Pentecostal instead of just trusting the Spirit to do what it says He'll do. Well, it says he'll lead me. I guess I'll trust him to lead me. It says he'll do it, he'll do it. And like I said to Kim, he won't mess up. He won't take us the wrong direction. Okay? And the thing about this, I mean, it sounds simple. Well, just trust and do it. Okay? What's God bless? Bless a lot of things, but faith. When he sees faith, what happens? The blessings come. And you get more faith. It's a cycle there that we can start if we just step with a little faith. Okay. Action. Philippians 2.12. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay. That verse just says, we got something to do. We got free will choice. We're not robots. Holy Spirit doesn't possess us and make us do things. But we got to make the decision. Yeah? Now, if you, I said all these tied together. What if you've just prayed specifically for more strength to resist this temptation and then you walk out the door and run into that temptation? It's probably a whole lot better that you just prayed about it than if you hadn't. Okay, but you still got to make that choice. You can't just say, oh, "I prayed about it," and he's, temptation's still here, so I'm going to go ahead. No, you still got to make the right choice. You got to make the decision. You got to act. You, you got to do the right thing. But you put all these things together, and it'll be easier and more helpful. Okay, last one: uh, knowledge again. The way you can act leads into this one, basically. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Okay, got that? That's all one verse, by the way. Uh, two verses, 12 and 13. Let's do it. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You run into that temptation, you think, how am I going to get around this one? Okay. You, you have the knowledge. You are aware of the power that is in you. And all that, all these things fit together. And so when you need to act, how do you do that? It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. You got help. You get, you get that amazing power that raised Jesus from the dead. Okay. I left out one I should have put in. last one I'd put in is, when you see progress, thank him. When you see progress in your life, even if it's just a little bit, a lot of times it won't come in, in a little bit. It'll happen all of a sudden. You'll say, whoa, 
I've been praying for him to work on my patience and all that, man. Six months ago, man, I couldn't have done that. This is amazing. I'm changing. I'm, I'm getting more Christ-like. Well, thank him. Put that in your next prayer in the Spirit. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just believing, acknowledging Him, trusting all that, then He will work. If you don't believe He'll work for you, He won't. If you don't trust your personal trainer, He's not going to help you much because you're not going to pay attention to Him. Yeah, we may have to have a whole special lesson on providence here one of these days. But anyhow, that's uh, the lesson on allowing spirit to work, and we'll tackle living by the spirit, walking by the spirit next week. Thanks for your attention, and we'll come back next week.